Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ladies and gentlemen, we're in the heart of Manchester, King Street, the Bellstaff store. Damn. Damn. For the first in the Renegade series, to kick it all off, it's Never Strays Far! But please, please welcome, please welcome to the stage my co-hosts, David Miller and Pete Kenyak. To say a winding. <laughs> That's a good local reference. <laughs> well, I'm Pete. You've won them over already. <laughs> How's the trip up, boys? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wasn't good. No. Really wasn't good. Uh, no. No. Oh. Uh. <laughs> I drove a transit van up here. For no apparent reason. <laughs> so just a little bit of a context. So David and I are about to start, well, Pete's about to start DSing the Tour of Britain for Trinity Racing. Yeah. And um, much more relevantly than that, uh, David and I are about to embark on a, a week of travelling around the Tour of Britain, commentating for ITV, aren't we, David? Mm, we are. And, and we, we, we work for a production company. Um, I'm not going to name them but they perhaps don't have the highest production standards in, in broadcasting history, right? No. I mean, I turned up last year to the Tour of Britain and Ned had, um, I wouldn't say twisted my arm, but persuaded me to come and commentate on the Tour of Britain. Twisted your arm. Twisted my arm. Yeah. And uh, had told me it wouldn't be like the Tour de France. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, we turned up to... Where were we? Were we in Scotland? It was a ski resort outside of um, Aberdeen, wasn't it? Yeah. Where it started, like, well, the first finish line was last year. And it was unbelievable, the weather, wasn't it? It was like, it was like the, the Scottish equivalent of Alpduez. It was like the Scottish yeah, equivalent of Alpduez, without any switchbacks or hairpins or sunshine. Oh, it was one straight road, wasn't it? Yeah, do you remember? It's just yeah, a yeah. 10 kilometre yeah. drag into the... Yeah. And we turned up and... Uh, it was actually a sprint stage. Yeah, 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 it was. It was their summit finish, and it was won by Corbin Strong, who was a sp- yeah. kind of sprinty type character. Pitcock yeah. drama. Pitcock, and yeah. uh, I turned up, and it yeah, was a kind right. of empty car park, muddy, and I said to Ned, oh, where's our commentary position? And you kind of looked at me and just pointed at a truck, <laughs> a bat, like a, a, a white HGV. Like a really battered one? Yeah. That you'd see maybe abandoned on a slip road quite near Folkestone. Mm. And we walked up, I walked up the steps into it, and there were, the wind was so strong, like the door just blew completely open, walked yep. in, and it was just shelves, and there was nothing in there. Yep. And I was like, well, where do we go? And then there was a guy putting up screens and on a little bench. And like like a workman's stores. bench workman's that you might bench. sort of like, yeah. And we had no internet, and... Yeah, but that was like our producer, who's Australian. Yeah. I'll just explain he's Australian, just in case you can't pick the accent that you're about to hear. Um, he said, I said, have you got any internet? He goes, oh, no, mate, there's no internet up here. And I'm thinking, this is the Tour of Britain, mate. Yeah. Like, and, yeah. Yeah. and just so people know we rely, Tour of Britain is, is quite a difficult race. One of the reasons perhaps I'm hesitant to doing it is because there's not so many big names, so you don't have as many reference points or even knowledge of who the riders are. And so if a break <laughs> goes, if anything happens, you're frantically looking on pro-cycling stats. Don't like, believe in research, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't do research. That's what the internet's No, for. you're better than, re- you're better yeah. than research, yeah, aren't you, I'm though? better yeah. than research. That's yeah. the lead commentators. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Ned's job is. And uh, so we just sat there, and then I was in absolute panic and wondering what the hell we'd done. And then the, <laughs> and then the week just kind of carried on. And it, you just reminded me. I mean, we do from start to finish commentary at the Tour of Britain. Uh, with no ad breaks, yep. um, which is about four to five well, hours. Well, there are ad, ad breaks on ITV, but we carry on for the world feed for yes. all those people in Singapore who are interested in stage one. <laughs> yeah. And, it's, uh, and I'd totally forgotten that until yeah. you just mentioned it just now. How did that um, feel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a long week. 
So I turned up to get the hire car that the Tour of Britain organisation had booked for me. Not the Tour of Britain organisation, that's slightly unfair. The TV production company had booked for me in London that I'll drop off after the end of stage eight back into London. Got to have a car on this job because all the kit we carry around. Um, to drive up here, to come to this gig, to be with you lovely people. And I got there as arranged, nine o'clock this morning at, at Enterprise in Lewisham. Lovely people. And I said, where's my car? No, I didn't say it like that. I said, hello, I think I've got a reservation. <laughs> I said, where's my car? Um, they said, okay, uh, yeah, your booking's for tomorrow. And I went, but I've got to be met. But they went, no, your booking's for... So, and in the background... I can I completely empathise that, working for Trinity Racing. Yeah, same, same sort it's of vibe. It's always the, the day before or the day after. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there's, there's no trains in the country today. And therefore, there were no hire cars in London at all to be had. So they couldn't extend the booking and just give me another car. So eventually they said, and there were all sorts of contingency plans where I was going to meet you at Gatwick. Oh, yeah. Good job you didn't. Jump in the Trinity car. Why? Yeah, because you've only just made it. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, they said, well, we could give you this knackered old transit van out the back. Mm. So that's what I drove up. To a Britain. Uh, to a Britain. Uh, Is that what you're commentating then tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the race starts the day after. T- I think. Oh, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I think it's... Yeah. Day, day ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Trinity racing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm that organised. I think it starts tomorrow. <laughs> I see. I saw you in Glasgow. Yeah, we for, for the world. That was fun. I missed you in yeah. Glasgow. Did you enjoy it? You came up with the family, didn't you? Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. What the Thank God, David. Yeah, saved the day. Why? How did you save the day? Because you had that appearance in the evening. Yeah, we, we had kind of like a shelter to go to with yeah. the kids. Yeah, we uh, where we could still watch it on the huge screen. It's quite, people kept and Lauren popped me. out, didn't yeah. she, with 30k to go to watch them yes. pass with three laps to go, maybe. Yeah. In the pouring rain. It but was it's just, yeah, it was ace. I, yeah. I rated it, Glasgow. It was what good. Was Everyone kept thinking your kids were my kids, which was quite <laughs> cute. So I was looking after them quite a lot of the time. Oh, yeah. see. <laughs> it's already weird enough, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I missed you. You'd gone by yeah. the time I'd, because I was doing that long commentary shift with yeah. Boardman. Yeah, that's a shame, isn't it? Hello, I'm commentating with Chris yeah. Boardman. Um, and uh, yeah, have to make the calculations. Yeah, I made the cal- yeah. That's that's a weird hybrid of Sean Kelly and Chris Baldwin. Oh yeah, calculations. Yeah, yeah. Cal- I've yeah. been watching the Vuelta. Yeah, I've been watching. I've been watching the Vuelta. You have. Should we talk about the Vuelta? Yes. Jumbo Visma, one, two, three on the podium I think at the end. You, you messaged me randomly yesterday and said Sepp Kuss is going to win the Vuelta. Yeah. And Sepp Kuss is one of my favourite bike riders. Yeah, one Matt- of. Quite Matthew van der Poel, Remco. Remco. Have you given up on Remco? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, he let me down at the Worlds. He lets you down a lot, doesn't he? He let me down yesterday. He let you down by getting But COVID then that was overshadowed because Sepp Kuss completely delivered. Yeah. And I'm so proud of him. I don't know him. <laughs> I've never met him. Um, Third I've, Grand Tour, the year. I think, yeah, but imagine. I was thinking, hey, I was Ineos imagining missed this. out on him, didn't they? They did, totally. Yeah. Everyone Someone missed out on him. Someone needs to have a word with the backroom staff at Ineos. I know, I wonder if there's any here. To, you know, <laughs> talk, talk about research. <laughs> <laughs> but I was then thinking at the dinner table, because then Primoz and uh, Jonas kind of ripped the field to pieces behind. Yeah. But they're, what, two and a half minutes behind Sep now yep. on GC. Surely the dinner table last night, they were kind of, if Sep Kurs wasn't drunk as a monkey... Because of that champagne behaviour wow. on the podium. Did you see that, folks? Did you, uh, did you not? Oh, you d- didn't. No. The, the big magnum. Did you see that, Pete? That's what three grand tours in a year does to you. I mean, that was... Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. what league commentators don't get to know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I was thinking about... I bet, because obviously, Sepp Kuss has been a key player in all of their grand tour wins. Yeah, Visma. He has. And for Primoz and Jonas this year at the Giro. Super impressive. Surely the dinner table, though, last night, let's go all in on Sep. Let's do everything we can. And if he cracks, he cracks. But we dedicate yeah. everything to him. His consistency is unbelievable. I mean, yeah. his, his mental consistency even, yeah. to turn up and do the job he's done. He's phenomenal. Uh, I don't know any other rider like him. No. I think he can in win this the tour. Walter. He could do. Yeah. Well, there's the time trial, isn't there? The day after the rest day. But I don't know how hilly that... Because I haven't done my research because I'm all about the Tour of Britain. Mm. Yeah. Talking but about the Tour of Britain. Yeah. Let's talk, yeah. I'm looking at this little ornament here on the table. Yeah. And I'm like, is that the, is that the Tour of Britain trophy? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why would I not? <laughs> Pete is now that holding aloft <laughs> a, 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 a Bellstaff logo. Phoenix. A Bellstaff Phoenix. It's got yeah. a T in the middle of it, which yeah. is like... Right, it's the middle letter in Bell stuff. I'm Actually, sure where that comes from. It does look a little bit like <laughs> a tour series. Um, that is like... It comes from trauma. What? 
trial master. Yeah, you would know. <laughs> yeah, it does. That's yeah. better than any trophy we get in cycling, by the way. It is. <laughs> when I won, when I went Tour de France stage, I got a plastic Coca-Cola bottle. Yeah, a gold one. Yeah, oh. a gold. Yeah, yeah. But I threw it what, away. Gold coloured but plastic. Yeah, and a perspex sort of cutouts of half France around it. Which which Tour de France stage? I the, think the, all the, of the ones the, I did. That was kind of oh, a thing that was they a did. standard thing. Yeah. The did you not really get any regional produce no, from the tour? Nothing. Front, nothing. It's disappointing. Corporate, isn't it? Yeah. The tour. Yeah. But yes, I'd have much preferred a. I remember there a, was a year on the tour Phoenix. of Britain where Rouleur magazine was sponsoring the Combativity Award, and they called it, but they rebranded it the B Big Cheese Award or something, or the, 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 the local. And so it was a local cheese from I the area. That, that yeah. was quite funny because it was, it was one of those random years at the tour of Britain where there was Movistar. <laughs> were they trying to do like, <laughs> like Coeur de Lyon? Yeah. Because that was a good sponsor. Movistar yeah. won last year. That's true. Yeah, that was that's a true. Well, that was a random year, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, since we're on the subject of Tour of Britain, should we get a British bike rider on yes. stage? Yeah, I hope he's here. I'm going to give him the big up anyway. I would like to invite onto stage not only um, uh, one of the top riders, but a bloke who I thought, well, this is going to be brilliant. This is going to fill 50 minutes of the pod at least because he's um, an absolute stalwart of the World Tour peloton, British through and through, Welsh through and through, and he must have raced the Tour of Britain at least six or seven times, so he can absolutely pack us with anecdotes about the Tour of Britain. I just did a bit of research, <laughs> research, David, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. backstage. Helps. Found out that Luke Rowe has only ever raced the Tour of Britain once. Undeterred. <laughs> once, but let's not forget a stage win. I d well, straight away we're going to talk about that. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not only Luke Rowe off of Team Sky and Ineos. A special microphone for you there. Well, just swap over, maybe. They're brilliant. Luke. <sighs> Luke, have you, ever, have you ever done a podcast? <laughs> right, I'll give you boys a few lessons now. <laughs> what do you want to know? What do you want to know? I, I had pretty much everything from the start. <laughs> we were quite annoyed, actually, because not that we care, but we do care. But we had this sort of slight status during the Tour de France of of you know being quite high up in the charts and but we do podcast every single day which kind of helps and the Tour de France and and you and Geraint's podcast <laughs> whenever you can be bothered like kind of seems <laughs> like that and every time you did that you just elbowed us off of our little top spot which was just kind of an annoying I don't you know I I wasn't actually aware of that I think um that's because you're not I as needy as me <laughs> <laughs> I think we're both quite similar though it's a wing it mentality yeah. which is I think the success of it yeah. You know, you look at you three now, chilled out, laid back, talking, talking. I've been stood at the back listening for 10 minutes. Absolute bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the same as me and G. You know, you, sh you shoot it. It is what it is. Call a spade a spade. And uh, that's where I think both our podcasts are quite similar. We don't kind of shy away from the truth, say it as it is. You know, ours is completely unedited. Put it out there is what it is. And I think by the sounds of it and... The last 10 minutes, it seems very similar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take that as a compliment. Thanks, yeah. Luke. Yeah. Well, it is, isn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah. there's so much. The only difference oh. is, like, you know what you're talking about. We don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I've had an idea. You could, like, because we, we've been doing it for two or three years, and we've, we, ha we have no income from it. I mean, we're not being paid for this. I've got free gin and tonic, which is nice, actually. It's the first, it's the first gin and tonic I've had since the mid-'80s in Bedford <laughs> when Jim Briscoe, he was bad, <laughs> He nicked a uh, quarter bottle of Gordon's from the local corner shop and went back and, <laughs> and then went back and nicked a warm bottle of tonic because he suddenly thought, need the tonic as well. And we spent an evening in the bandstand in Bedford Park listening to David Bowie. <laughs> that was the last time prior to this I'd ever had a gin and tonic. Wow. It's having a similar effect, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I've had an idea. So we don't earn any money from this. So you don't um, have it for breakfast like me, then? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether that's true, but I could, <laughs> I'm feeling it might be slightly true. Um, uh, yeah, so do you guys make a lot of money out of your podcast? Oh, shitloads, man. Do you? No. So, no, honestly, so we started off at the Tour de France, me and G, yep. and we sent um, one of the guys, George, over to the local car for 
to try and buy a, a microphone. That's the way it started. And we said, we're going to start a podcast. Really? And it was as simple as that. And well, we when you it, were both on the race. We hey, the imagine floor. being able to send someone called George to go and buy a See, microphone. Already, 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 this is a whole different league. It's the same as you guys, but his name's Ned. Ned. <laughs> <laughs> send Ned. <laughs> It's right? funny because it's true. It's so true. <laughs> I literally asked for an SD card on the way up. Get Ned to nick a bottle of, a bottle of gin. <laughs> yeah. And um, over the years, it's obviously taken you know, step to step and it's got bigger and bigger. But I think one thing we always said, or one, well, Jesus type bugger, but one thing I always said. He is, isn't he? Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Yes. Yeah. I reckon I've bought him 100 coffees for every one I've got off him. Yeah, easily. But anyway, one thing we've always said is we stay true to where we started, which was in a Campanile hotel in the middle of France, two blokes sat on a bed talking and, and saying what they really mean. And it, it's not filtered. And I feel like there's too many outlets, people, you know, with social media, everything is, is filtered. And that, that reality of people being able to say what they really think is almost gone because the way the world is. Yeah. And like we said, whatever happens, whatever comes our way, financially whatever pull that to one side and one thing we'll stick by is just being ourselves we'll press play we'll talk we'll press stop and it goes out so no editing and i think that's one thing we've we've kind of stuck by because there's so many things now that uh in the world we live in it's so hard to just express yourself and say what you really feel because someone will always try and shoot you down so we've um we stay loyal to that do you guys feel i've just because i was thinking about this yesterday luke the first time I remember meeting you was at the Geelong Worlds, 2010. And you were, it was under 23 Worlds you were doing, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And um, I think there was one breakfast where it was you, me, and Brailsford, or it could have been uh, Shane. And we were talking about, this was amazing because you hadn't turned pro yet, about you were already thinking about making a career of being a road captain, even then. It was like we were talking about it because I was a road captain at the time and I was saying, no, it's most riders kind of, it ends up being the twilight of their career. They start off as these young, hot and promised riders. They become, when a few races get leadership status, then it starts to wane and then they slip into a road captain role. But I was saying how amazing it can be some riders realize early they are actually their strength is in their leadership capabilities and, and what they do on the road with the team, rallying the team and can build a really amazing career out of it. And you've done that very much. Your career, you've been a road captain probably the majority of your career. Do you see it as that? First of all, as soon as you mentioned Geelong, the first few words that come to my mind was Dave the Brave. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. 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 yeah that was, uh, we stole a bed sheet, <laughs> stole a bottle of spray and wrote Dave the Brave as you come by the TT. And I still remember he just raised a few fingers to say hello. But um, <laughs> that ended up being the, the title cool. of the last chapter of my book. I read it. Yeah. I read it proudly. <laughs> Yeah, Dave. Dave Rave. <laughs> B, B, open brackets, <laughs> rave. <laughs> no, it was, it, was, um, it was always something that come quite naturally to me. And I think, like I raced with Pete since we were 10, 12, 8, I don't know. Yeah, 8 or Young. 9. 8 or 9, yeah. under 10s. We it? were racing together 8 or 9. And... Pete was always the better cyclist of the pair of us. He was always the more talented. Not he was to begin with. No, always. No, you were. You were always the more successful, always the more talented, always got the most results. But I always had to tell him what to do. <laughs> and um, so that's just a pro like one example. But throughout my career, I always felt that I could, you know, go part the way to predicting a race and kind of see how it was going. And even during a race, kind of expect the unexpected. And, and that's not, um, you know, for every nine calls you make right, you make, you make one wrong, as, as you'll know through a career of doing a similar thing. But it's something I always felt comfortable doing. And even at a young age when I turned pro and there was guys who were 10 years older and had ridden X amount of grand tours and achieved all these things, I would still have the confidence to kind of not disagree, but just to have the discussion and go, well, actually, I don't, I don't believe you're right. I don't believe that's the way we're going to do things. I think we should do it this way. And I think that's a big part of it is being able to, I'm a firm believer of you can tell, you can tell anyone anything, negative or positive, as long as it's in the right way. 
Mm. And that's, uh, yeah, I just felt confident in it in a young age. And at the same time, I think at road captain is, you know, it can, you know, look like I'm a beer, Billy Big Bollocks, but it, it's also a term that is, um, you know, kind of sounds better than it is. It's not, yeah. it's, you're not a football player with the captain's armband and you're mm. an amazing superstar and you've grown into that captaincy role. It's, it's simply a, essentially a middleman between the DSs and the riders on the road. And you start the stage with six, seven, eight blokes, depending on what race it is. And from A to B, you try and get the most out of your resources. I think you're quite modest in that though. Cause I remember being on the sky bus back in the day and like, I think about it more now I'm a director and have to look into all this detail, but I'd be the type of person who would one, get bored of team meetings and two, never look at the road book. And like, <laughs> you would know everything about the wind direction, where we were going, what could potentially happen. And it's now I realize where back then I was like, geez, I'm just race for five hours. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Race for five hours. Oh, shit, where's that wind coming from? <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the fifth group. Yeah. So I think, yeah, yeah. You, it may be because it comes naturally to you. You're not I, quite aware of... I also think just that analogy you just drew between a road captain and a captain of a football team, I think, you, I think, again, you play down the role that you guys actually fulfil and the best road captains do because I, d I don't think that analogy stands up. I don't think a captain in a football team does much. So my favourite road captain is? Type of road captain, the one who like punches Tony Martin off the road. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, had enough of you. See ya. <laughs> who've you had the biggest? Who've you had the biggest on? <laughs> is Tony Martin right up there? Listen, son, like back down. <laughs> you're out. <laughs> I'm going with you. <laughs> That's what it takes, you know. Yeah. Sacrifice for the team, because we'll not have to deal with him for the next bloody twelve days. <laughs> you and your bloody Yumbo Visma cronies. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, it's, who've, 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 who've been the real problems down the years that you've had to eliminate? He's, he's name one. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I'd, I'd say as the years go on, I've actually gone more and more relaxed, chilled, I think. Yeah. You get to a certain point and you go, you know, any wasted energy is energy that I'm going to lose in the final of the race or the next day or the day after. So I try and let things just go a bit more now. Um, of course, there's times and there's people throughout my career who have pissed me off, and I'm sure I'm on the hit list of many people as well at the same time. But yeah, there's, I mean, we can't do this podcast forever, so I can't name everyone, but there's, <laughs> <laughs> there's a few on the hit list, yeah. If you start now, we'll be finished by <laughs> half nine. <laughs> Luke, do you watch the, um, did you watch the Welter? Yesterday, that mad stage at Sepkus one that we were just alluding to. Did you see any of that? I did indeed, yeah. So in terms of being a road, I, you know, I'm assuming everyone had a bit of knowledge of what went on yeah, yesterday in the Vuelta. As a road captain, when you see 40, like Remco's road captain perhaps, you see 42 riders, including some of the best climbers in the world and multiple threats on GC, get away. Unfortunately, we didn't see how that happened because there were no live pictures. What? How do you, I mean... Have you ever been in a situation that chaotic? Because that was proper, full-on chaos, wasn't it, at the World Tour yesterday? I've never been in a situation where we're the team that's lost out that badly. Um, and like any breakaway, there's big winners and big losers. So straight away you go big winners, despite what happened at the finish. I'm talking about that moment that the break got established. 42 guys, four, four Jumbo Vismas with Sepkus. There's four Bahrain with Lander. The list goes on. Extremely dangerous break. And I'm going to talk on behalf of Ineos Grenadiers here. We had Castroveo in there, which, with the utmost respect to him, this is a GC breakaway, hails of no significance. Um, so I, I just mentioned a few teams who come out really on the top foot. And I think we were one of, one of the teams that really come out on the back foot on that, that breakaway and that situation that scenario that the race played out of. And, you know, if, if, if you go into the stage and you're 12th and 17th on GC, which G and Tara's men were, and you end up riding on the front of the peloton all day full gas with your whole team, it's gone very badly wrong. Mm. And, you know, it, it, it almost hurts me to say it because these are my mates, these are my teammates. It's my team who I feel passionate about, but call a spade a spade. That was a massive tactical mistake by by ourselves yesterday to let that break 
go. It's it's you know at, at that point, it's on G's and Timon's shoulders to jump into that break or on a teammate just to close it instantly. So as soon as that break goes and it's got 30 seconds and they start rotating, they're gone. For anyone who's ever been on a chain gang or a simple club ride, when the group starts turning and they got 10 meters, it's yeah. so hard to close. So at that point, I'd have said, close it instantly. However many men it takes, we close it instantly. Or it's upon our two GC guys, one of them has to be inside. So yeah, a very, you know, uh, luckily we made up for it with the strength, but you never want to use your strength. You want to use the tactics first. Mm. So um, yeah, uh, you know, a mistake. It's easy to sit here on a stage, you know, in this scenario, relaxed environment and point fingers, but, um, you know, we don't know how that break was formed. Uh, it wasn't through strength because you've seen the strength of the team and how hard they chased and how strong they were. It was more tactics. So, yeah, we, we, we messed up. You have some great days as a professional athlete. You have some terrible days. And this was towards the bottom of that spectrum. So, uh, but, you know, you get on the bus and you go, boys, we got 15 days to go. Let's get it right tomorrow. The weird thing is, actually, without Ineos having missed the move, as you said, with the exception of Castroviejo, actually, if they had, if you had had numbers up in that in that break, game the whole Vuelta, the whole Vuelta would look different mm. today. The whole Vuelta, like in other words, it would be curtains for Remco, and then you know Roglic and Vingegaard would be in a very strange position. Mm. As it is, it's and just Sef a Chris would win the World Sef Chris would be <laughs> home, yeah. and, home and dry. Yeah. Yeah. I hope he does. Yeah. 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 We, go, we, yeah, we had go. a similar situation actually when. I did the vault in 2016. I don't know if anyone remembers it. Maybe you, Ned. I remember when it. Was the Contador, it was 100 short stage, 120k, yeah. small roads in the first 20k, like max one kilometer climbs, narrow descents. Everyone was a bit plaza, relaxed. And this move went straight away. And literally after a kilometer with Contador, Quintana, the group must have only been about 15, yeah. maybe. And Sky completely missed it. We had Froome and one other in the second group, me and two others in the third group, another two riders in the fourth. It was, like, it was all over the road. But like Luke says, the tactics and all, almost at that point in the race as a director, you've got to take it on the chin with the decision you make. So we were being told everyone who was in these, all, in these four different groups to ride full gas, where in hindsight is a wonderful thing. Looking back on it, the best decision would have been for Froome to wait for everyone else behind, mm. then collectively, it's a gr group of 15. As a team, you then chase and spend the whole day chasing. So you give up that minute that you've got in the second group for what you might gain in the third. But it's so hard to say that on the road. But I think that's what makes a great director, isn't it? Who's willing to gamble on Froome sitting up because he's in the second group and rely on his team, especially over a so short stage. I was going to ask, just going on separately here, because we were just chatting before Luke, it's something I always find, because obviously I met you at the beginning of your career, when I was at the end of my career, at which point it's kind of like in society at large, where every generation complains about what the youth are up to these days, and how they're so different to what they were when they were younger. And it's like now seeing you now, 33 years old, you're almost moving into that stage where it's natural when you've had a career that spans 10, 15 years, that the whole sport changes every 10, 15 years. And I think Probably in the last 10, 10 years, we've seen the sport change more than we ever have, arguably in the history of the sports. If I look back to when I turned pro in the late 1990s, it was very little to what it, it very, there was very little difference to what it had been 30, 40, 50 years before, really. And then it kind of changed from the early 2000s to 2012. That's where Team Sky came in with you guys and, and took advantage of the marginal gains and the professionalism of the sport. And yet I think there's almost been another giant leap since then over the span of your career. Do you see it now as being, Jesus, look at these young kids and kind of how different it is and I have very little in common with them? Yeah, I'd say it's been quite an exponential change over the past few years. Um, it's just got unbelievably, unbelievably professional in so many different ways, almost to the point where I look at some of the young guys who are turning pro now, and I almost, I almost feel sorry for them. It's, uh, it's got to the point where you dedicate your whole life and everything, every, every little thing, you dedicate your whole life or you're not going to make it. And 
I almost fear for these guys, you know, maybe they'll have a great 5, 10, 15 year career, but what happens after? And uh, just every little thing, you know, you, I said to you, you go to dinner and sometimes it's in a communal area and you'll have, depending on what hotel you're at, you'll have three, four teams in the same hotel and you have nine out of 10 guys will come to dinner with a weigh-in scale, put it on the table, put the plate on, zero it, and, and they're weighing every gram they eat. And it's, I, I think to myself, okay, you're, you're a 20 year old kid. Are you gonna do that for 15 years? Probably not, you're gonna crack after eight. Yeah. And, um, but that's just one example, the way altitude camps, like I haven't been on one altitude camp this year <laughs> because the way things have played out, not, not through choice, but you know, guys are living at altitude. They go race, altitude, race, altitude. The whole sport has just snowballed at such a rate where every single rider, whether you're one of the bigger teams, a smaller team, one of the superstars of the sport or one of the lesser riders in the sport, every single person is cro you know, crossing the T's and dotting their I's to the, to the absolute maximum. Their level of professionalism is, it's not a bad thing. It's just, it's just the way it is. Um, you know, I couldn't, I, I couldn't do a 15 year career like that. I couldn't, I, I'd say at a certain point, I've had enough. But the level of professionalism is then, you know, it's shown by the, the speed we're racing at and the, the level we're now at is at any race. There's no small race. There's no easy race. There's no easy kilometer. Every race from start to finish is, is full gas. And you either accept that, move with it, and move with the times and try and embrace a similar process or you're going to get left behind. But certainly, like you said, the last five years, I would say, um, has just the, the sport has increased at a, a crazy rate. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Well, listen, David mentioned the year 2012, which was obviously, you know, massively resonant, especially for the British cycling public. Bradley Wiggins wins the Tour de France. A couple of weeks later, wins an individual time trial that for some reason gains him more recognition than winning the Tour de France in the British public psyche. But even that was overshadowed by what happened just a few short weeks after Bradley Wiggins' <laughs> gold medal when uh, Luke Rowe makes his debut, his debut at the Tour of Britain. Stage one, finishes in first place. Takes the leader's jersey, Luke. What a, it was a monumental achievement. Yeah, we're coming into a, a corner with a cane half to go and 95% of the peloton <laughs> crashed. <laughs> <laughs> And I didn't. I couldn't believe my luck. You never crash them. No, you I never, never crash. You, no, never, I crash. Got, oh. you never crash. Yeah. Yeah. I'd have been hospital in a week now. I'm loving it. <laughs> when he didn't have your undervest on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I've, yeah, I've, got, a, I've got a good track record. Yeah. Um, but it was actually around the corner. Nosley Safari Park. Was it? Well, I don't think it was there. I think it was somewhere. I don't think so. I think that came later on in the race. I, don't we, th I might be wrong, but... You're the statistician on the pod. Well, I'll take your word yeah, for it. No. Well, yeah, well, it was a... Yeah. We were... You know, I was first year pro, and we were there at Tour of Britain. You're right. And um, there was Bradley Wiggins, who just won the Tour de France, superstar. <laughs> yeah. There was Cav. He's Cav. Yeah. There was Nisi, who just ridden the Tour de France, and I'm there, you know, blue-eyed boy going, F you know, I'm in this squad. Um, anyway, we get there. I'm told I'm last lead-out man for Cav. Right, yeah, okay. Give him everything. And, uh, you're, Cav's last, you're supposed to be his last lead-out? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because when guys like Bernie Isle get to a certain age, they, like, jip out of... Stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Especially at the Tour of Britain. Yeah, yeah, at the end yeah, of the season. Yeah. Nah, no chance. Yeah. <laughs> Luke turns up. What do you want me to do? Cavs yeah. last lead, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Come on, yeah. then. Yeah, you can risk your skin, not me, mate. <laughs> see bony eyes on Nosley Safari Park? <laughs> <laughs> what about the giraffes? <laughs> he said, Bernie, I'll, remember the last thing he used to do before he left the bus every time? Go on. 
aftershave. Oh, no. Packer a Yeah. Did he? Yeah. Last thing Bernie used to do. That's and special. Cav. Luke, we'll get back to the last <laughs> 500 <laughs> metres. But whilst we're on the subject of that tour of Britain, there's one memory that stands out is Brad's turnarounds in the road. Could you, <laughs> being on the team, could you enlighten us and everyone who's listening? It was what, special. Yeah, that's like, that's... That's like not allowed. It? <laughs> it's not allowed, but there's a reason behind it. Go on. Yeah. And I shouldn't tell the reason, but, yeah, but don't you, worry. We've told like, the story on no, the yeah, You've, you've yeah, already yeah, explained yeah, how yeah. you say what you yeah. think and you're, you're honest. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, right. that's, that's your, you know, you stand by your beliefs. Yeah. And yeah. That's the type of guy you are. So, well. <laughs> right. I've dug my grave, so I'll sleep in it. So, we're about halfway through the race, and the night before this incident happened, where Brad turned around. Um, so right, we'll go for a beer at the bar. So right, yo. So we all went down. I had a beer, blue-eyed boy. Mm-hmm. Went back to bed, and I was I was rooming with Brad, and Jez Hunt and Bernie Eisel were in the same room. Whoever thought to put them two in the same room, <laughs> I blame that person because uh, yeah, they're two party boys. Anyway, we wake up the next morning, go to breakfast. There's four of us there. No Bernie, no Jez. Right, yo. Okay. And uh, no, no, rewind. I've completely fluffed this story. Neasy was with Jez. Anyway, next morning at breakfast, there's no Bernie and there's no Jez. <laughs> 30 minutes before we leave, 20 minutes, 10 minutes. And Neasy comes down. Guys, you've got to help me. Uh, Jez will not get out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> so we go to his bed. And Bernie's pulled himself together by that point, you know, old school. Get- <laughs> And Jez is in bed. Uh, <laughs> Jez, and we're going, Jez, get out of bed. We have to leave. <laughs> and he's that hungover. He doesn't know where, and I don't know why. He's obviously had a dream or something. He's going, I, I'm not a shark. <laughs> <laughs> Jez, Jez, we know you're not a shark, but get out of bed. I'm not a shark. <laughs> so he's had a dream and he's that hungover. He's convinced he's a shark. <laughs> So we finally dra- literally drag him out of bed, no breakfast, get him on the bus, sit him down. And we had, uh, we had all the big dogs there. Dave was there. Oh, God. You know, we're going to have a great day. And <laughs> <laughs> I just got myself fired. And um, so we're all sat there looking. And, and Jez is sat there. He's in the meeting, he's like this. <laughs> Put his cap for podcasting. He's put his cap on his face. Just, he's just out cold, hat on his head, and every now and then he just goes. <laughs> so we leave the bus, and <laughs> Chez stumbles onto his bike, and off we set. And halfway through, Brad just rips it on the front, gets halfway up the climb, flips it, and says, "The hell with a lot of you." So uh, yeah, Jez the shark and his. And the point about the, Luke, the point the point about the turning round was that you know Jez, don't I know you? really well. I'm not a shark. Yeah. <laughs> Luke, the point about the turning round was that inadvertently Brad had forgotten that Cav was in the leader's jersey, yes. and he dropped Cav. <laughs> he dropped his teammate in the leader's jersey and went back to go and find him. And, and you know and what? It was all filmed. People were saying it's so good of Brad to turn around and go back to Mark. <laughs> <laughs> He's such a good loyal <laughs> teammate to turn around for Mark. Always thinking of all this. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, we, we're going to start to run out of time. I want to allow sort of four or five questions for the audience to any, for David, Pete, Luke, um, uh, and, and well, obviously not George, who just runs to the shops. Um, uh, but um, one thing that I remember from that 2012 tour, uh, separate from that, was on stage two. So you won stage one, took the leader's jersey. Stage two, you finished somewhere, like towards right, the so front. So on stage two, did you have like Brad on the front, like... Control the brakes. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Yeah. Road captain. No wonder he bloody turned around. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Get on the front, fella. <laughs> Stage but two, we Lee Howard won. Lee Howard won oh, in a sprint. In a sprint. And yeah. in their rush to get everyone on the podium, they didn't do the calculations properly and they shoved you up on the podium in the leader's jersey, didn't they? Yeah, they did. That was. And you were the wrong side of a second, one second split, I think. Yeah, I went from hero to zero. Yeah. So overnight, cr- you lost the jersey. Yeah, cross stage one. So, sorry, one stage one. Crossed the finish line of stage two in the yellow jersey, and it was Boy Van Poppel. Yeah. Riding for Human Powered Healthcare, and uh, anyway, they said, Luke, you kept the yellow jersey on the stage. You get 
I'm giving it the big ones. <laughs> I get off the stage and they go, actually, Luke, you've lost the jersey. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I kept the flowers. Yeah. yeah. I remember just, I was presenting the television coverage having to explain that. Well, overnight things have changed. Uh, <laughs> Luke Rowe isn't riding in the leaders. Yet. We ca- and I wasn't allowed to explain why because, yeah. you know, it's this kind of fatwa like. on the truth. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, are you looking forward to the Tour of Britain? <laughs> no, actually, I, I'm I'm really excited for it. Like you said, eleven I, years after your only participation, yeah. that blew my mind. How have you managed to swerve it? This so you turn out like Brad or Jazz? Jazz. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a fish, eh? <laughs> so if the camera picks out Luke in the week to come doing that, <laughs> give it the old shark spin. We'll know what's gone on the night before. <laughs> no, I think I think we um, like you say. First time I rode it was 2012, and that's the last time I rode it. It's the race that I've often wanted to return to, but every year I've done the Tour de France and that's been the main focus. And after that, the season's pretty much been done and dusted. But um, I, genuinely, I'm really excited to race there. I, I thought I was going to go to the Vuelta, didn't get selected. And I spoke to the team and I said, listen, if I'm not going to the Vuelta, can you promise me one thing? And that's that, can I go to Tour of Britain? Nice. And the team have been brilliant. They said, yeah, okay, we'll honor that. Brilliant. And uh, it's just a race that, you know, it's special. It, it is special. It's not a, a world to race. It's not a race that the cycling fanatics would put up there. But as a Brit, as a Welshman, a stage finishing in Gafili, it's as good as it gets for me. So genuinely, I'm, I'm really excited. Get out there, race with some of the British teams, meet the locals, meet the fans, talk to people, and just be on your home shores. I think if that's... It's pretty special, and, and if you know a French or a Spanish or a Belgian rider does that week in week out, for us it's pretty rare. And a British team, we've got Tom as our leader. Um, you know, great chance of getting huge success. Um, so there's nothing not to be excited for. So yeah, all in. And now a few words about our partner. AG1. AG1 is a daily foundational nutritional supplement that supports whole body health. It's been part of my daily routine since December. This in itself is miraculous, as in the past I've never been able to keep a consistent supplement routine going for long. Yet with AG1, it's simple. One scoop in water, shake, drink. Each scoop is packed with 75 vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and whole food sourced ingredients of high quality that give me major benefits like gut and mood support, boosted energy, and even healthier looking skin, hair, and even nails. AG1 was designed with ease in mind, so you can live healthier and better without having to complicate your routine. Although Ned might disagree, as I called him up, panicked yesterday morning, asking him to bring AG1 up because I'd forgotten mine. AG1 replaces your multivitamin, probiotic, and more in its simple, daily, drinkable habit. I haven't felt as healthy and fit as I do right now in a long time. Granted, that's due to me doing a lot of sport recently, but I can safely say that having AG1 as my start of the day has given me the foundational nutritional support my body has needed, allowing my body to get what it needs as I increase the workload. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash never strays far that's drinkag1.com forward slash never strays far check it out brilliant all right well i've got a microphone here kind of like roving radio stick mic thing that i'm trying very hard to um has anyone got a question because if you haven't we'll just go home that'll be fine but i mean you know don't feel don't feel but you you've gone very quiet just going to give you... Yeah, uh, go on. No, I didn't mean to tell you off. I just, I've given you the platform now. Fire away. What would you like to ask these guys? I've been mulling around a couple Talk, of questions. Hold your microphone a little bit closer to that. Sorry, I'm not used to this. A couple That's of questions. I've got one, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to say between two people. I'm struggling. Yeah, well, you got one. So thank Make you. Make it quick. All right. Um, the kind of question I really wanted to ask um, was around doping in sport in general. Um, and just from the perspective of you four guys that have raced in it and been witness to it, um, I know there's a lot of conjecture about other sports um, 
particular athletics, there's been some undercurrent about um, football or soccer as well. Um, certain teams, particularly in the Spanish league a few years ago, one of which the manager is down the road at a blue team that P likes, which we won't mention. Um, I think it's their Pep Guardiola. That's, on, that's the it. one, but I didn't really want to throw anybody under the bus legally with that kind of thing. Brilliant manager. <laughs> yeah, he is, absolutely. But um, from your perspective, having been involved in professional sport and seen doping live, as it were, and witnessed it, how trustworthy do you think the sports that we see on TV actually are? So not just so Without I, throwing yourself under the bus legally. No, I can answer this one because I did this for years. Um, it's, it's like anything in life. It's very hard to know unless you're there in, in the shoes. I think I can talk for cycling from what I know from the last kind of 20 years is the sport's never been cleaner. And I believe the biggest races in the world are being won by clean riders. And as Luke's explained, the kind of with the cleaning up of cycling, it has actually turned up the professionalism to 11 because now it's just there's some of those teams, the marginal gainings become part of the sport. I mean, to the point you hear nine out of 10 riders weighing their own food and no doubt becoming OCD and it's going to develop other problems, other mental health issues. There's no doubt about that. But they're getting fitter, faster, stronger. The equipment's getting better. Um, and so I think genuinely, but like society at large, there's always going to be a minority that, that try that try to break the rules. Unfortunately, unfortunately, that's just life. It's not systematic anymore. I think cycling is at the, the absolute cutting edge of anti-doping, not just in the testing. It was cycling that brought in the biological passport or the, the first to do the whereabouts system, the first to bring in the kind of the zero tolerance policies. <clears throat> and even to the level of the kind of the commerciality of the sport, its sponsors became actually responsible. They would come in and you'd lose that's effectively what saved cycling was the fact that sponsors didn't want to have anything to do with doping. You know, so if a rider doped, then the whole thing was shut down. And that then changed the whole sport. Now, whether that's going on in other sports, I don't know. I know that from being on the World Anti-Doping Athletes Commission back in the day, uh, it was like the dark ages out there in athletics um, and other sports because they simply, they weren't as professional. They, they didn't have, when you think about, and it's, how do you monitor athletes from poor countries that don't have even internet signal, that don't have uh, national governing bodies that have the means to actually do whereabouts system? You know, there's, there's a, a plethora of lists. And then you have an international governing body like IOC who are very much kind of not really interested in, in leading that battle. They'll find 20 million US dollars of funding for the World Anti-Doping Agency when they've got a billion of dollars in the bank. You know, that sort of thing. Now, as for football, etc., they've got much stronger unions, different things. I don't know what's going on. I think they're incredible athletes, but every sport's different. And we can only talk for cycling. I mean, we only know what's going on in cycling, and cycling's doing a great job. I think that's the best answer I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> David Miller. Thanks, yep. Pete. Uh, yes, please, could you tell me what the etymology of the word schlug is? Oh. <laughs> You yeah. can tell me what etymology means. Then. <laughs> <laughs> Great question. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we kind of look. I kind of I nicked it off Bob Roll. Bob Bob yeah. Roll, the American Bob Roll, Lance Armstrong's former teammate, one of the strangest humans I've ever met, is a legendary American broadcaster and a rider of the early '90s. In fact, competed in the Tour of Britain and won a stage in 1989, Bob Legend. Legend, Legend yeah. Um, similar circumstances. And actually, no, I know I said longer story. I won't go to But he's um, crazy. And I remember riding around or walking around on the Tour de France with him years and years and years ago. And he just looked with total, total disdain, not even disguised contempt at the people at the side of the road. <laughs> you know, who make the spectacle, who kind of like give up, uh, you know, uh, hard-earned income and their holiday to support the race and are the lifeblood and soul of the race. He looked at total contempt at them and just went, look at those schlugs. <laughs> What's a schlug? And he goes, Ugh. And he just pointed in direction of these that harmless French family who kind of like, you know, were just stepping out of their motorhome that was all covered in cofidis flags and pictures of, you know, like classic kind of like, and he just went, God. And 
So the word schlug has just stuck in my in my imagination. Then I passed it on to you, didn't I? Yeah. And you can't embrace it. It's yeah. just like so. It's like a really. I think we use it. I like to think we use it in quite a harmless way. Mm. Um, but it was it was originally its etymology was totally dismissive and full of disgust for cycling fans, and it originated from Bob Roll. But we have de-weaponized it <laughs> and turned it into. Thing that we can identify with because you've become I'm a schlug. I'm a schlug. Yeah, we, we all Pete, are. Oh, God. Pete in Glasgow, total yeah. schlug. Oh, yeah. Big time. But time. I, I was slugging on Luke in Glasgow, one of the <laughs> best mates. I was like, oh my God, you've let me on the bloody Ineos board. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what to say. I was all nervous. I had my kids. I was like, I had to just say something. And then, but also, I absolutely despise the word slug. It's horrible. When someone comes up and says, oh, you don't mind me slugging, do you? I'm like, will you just go away? <laughs> Unfortunately, it kind of works as a word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it does, yeah. 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 It's yeah. But yeah, everyone yeah. does a bit of slugan. I bet Luke does a bit of slugan. Yeah. Still don't know what it means. That'll come. I'm just nodding down the sky, You're still racing. Yeah. You're still racing. And of course, the most disappointing moment in your slugging year, David, mm. was when I was promised... Um, when you remember when I went to the Giro and I stayed before the Giro started, I was in Remco's hotel. Oh, yeah. And I was... I, was, I, 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 I Literally, the Sudal Quickstep people said, I'll get assigned bidon by Remco and you were so excited and it was even going to say to David and then it just never happened yeah, so, yeah. And now so, it's, so it's like a fat you're like a, a fat, fat super yeah. fat cycling but fat. cycling specific oh I think if, if yeah I'm a, I'm a you're a slug of course yeah. anyone like have I, you slugged on anyone recently <laughs> yeah who oh, go on no, it's not about like individuals. It's Slip about anyone. No, no, no. It is about individuals. Oh, like yeah. watch. Okay, watching the have race a yesterday. Yeah, go on. Like in the world. Yeah, watching the race yesterday. I was a Sepp Kush Luke. Yes. Like you're watching the race. But would you follow him back to his hotel? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't ask him for a signed bottle. No. <laughs> that, that's just called watching TV. <laughs> 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 Got time for three more, I reckon, and then we'll call it a day. Producer um, Ned. Would you, mind, would you mind coming up and grabbing it? Because I'm full of microphone chaos here. Yeah, just pass it there. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, so as a uh, beard enthusiast, I was delighted to see Jeffrey Soup win uh, today's nice. Welter stage. Did he win? Um, he, he won. Right. Oh, sorry. Oh, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a spri- it's a sprint stage. Yeah. Right. yeah. But are there any really unheralded riders who you would particularly like to see win a Grand Tour stage? I can't think about Jeffrey Soup without picturing him eating a, a tin of, <laughs> without picturing him eating a tin of tomatoes Heinz soup and getting it all in his beard. <laughs> in his beard. <laughs> can't see it. Can't unsee it. Soup is just a funny word, isn't it? It's Ned has a long list great. of these riders. <laughs> The unheralded the, the, riders. The unheralded, the hipster choices. Well, I, I, I sent you a message mm. um, this week as oh, the yeah. um, provisional start list ebbed and flowed a little bit mm-hmm. for the... I can't remember which team he's riding Who's ebbed and flowed? Which team is he riding for? Well, so, <laughs> ebbed and flowed. He rides for Uno X. <laughs> no, Alves and Fennec. Ebbed and flowed. Ebbed and flowed is a good rider. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> a very song in the lead out there, no problem. <laughs> Not trustworthy. Big, big potential. Eh? <laughs> ebbed and flowed. <laughs> <laughs> he's, Uno, he's Uno X, isn't he? Yeah, You'd look him up in his palmares. Ebdon Flood, he's 23 years. He comes from Stavanger. <laughs> oh, he came through the Uno X development team. He's a strong time trial. <laughs> Nothing else to say about him. Yeah. Um, there are plenty of them at the Tourbrun. But I, I actually... F- <laughs> I... F- I f- <laughs> <laughs> Paddy Bevan. Paddy Bevan. Paddy Bevan has been swapped in and he will be racing the Tour mm. of Britain. Yeah. But who what, else have you what, got? There's the question. Why Paddy Bevan though? He's had great success. He's won stage. Yeah, I know. He's not unheralded. He's not unheralded. He's not unheralded. He's a he's a he's a proper hitter. He's a proper hitter. But Paddy Bevan had a big setback because he had to He was on the brink of doing everything. Almost almost Van Arty. Like um he could climb, he could sprint. This is right, right? He could sprint. Um, he could climb. He could really good time trialist. Just a really good rider. And then he had to have, um, correct, you know, had to have the arrhythmia and a heart thing, and it's kind of set him back a little bit. But he's here. He's here, mm. Paddy Bevin. Who's the guy at the Tour de France I suddenly became obsessed with? Is the, the longer um, the week, um, this year's this year's Tour de France? One of the French riders. Yeah, oh, no. Well, he's not a nu- he's not a little rider. He's a big rider, but he's just I kind of was looking out for him all the time. Brian Cocard. Oh, Brian Cocard. Yeah. Yeah. He's a big rider. Yeah. He's a big rider. Well, is he but though? 
Well, he's a small guy, but... No, but big, I mean, is he a big rider? No, because he's only ever won one. Yeah. But he's... He's always up there. You're right. He's always up there. He's always yeah. up there. Right. See, I choose someone like um, Nathan Van Hooydonk. You know, someone who is always in the service of Wout Van Aert or always in the service of Jonas Vingegaard and is just... I, I watch him on TV and I think he's probably one of the best domestiques in the world at the he's moment. Amazing, isn't he? He's phenomenal. And he's, he's always there in the thick of the action. Yeah, it's a bit... It's a bit it reminds me of someone I know quite well. <laughs> can't, can't, quite think, uh, can't quite think of his name. Well, you mean someone who does a lot of work, doesn't get that many wins. What's maybe maybe if they're lucky... It's on the tip of, uh, yeah, picks up one, it's on the tip of one win at the Tour of Britain, <laughs> that kind of thing, and maybe... <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll have to yeah. Google it. We'll give him a somewhere in a parallel in the multiverse because we on Never Stress Up we believe in the multiverse, don't we? Yeah, Quite we strongly. Yeah. There is a multiverse Belgian podcast that's happening right now with sort of like three pros, <laughs> two pros, <laughs> two pros, one you know, one pro, two ex pros, and a journalist. And, and they're, they're going. And someone's going. Someone's going. For me, it's Luke Roll. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't heard of him? Oh no, he's a good guy. He's been in the belt on a long time. You're always on the front. Huh? <laughs> But for, but never always not in the limelight and the spotlight, but always does the work. Yeah, in the service of everyone in yeah. the team. Eh? Yeah. He's yeah. like our Nathan Van Hooydonk. He needs one job doing that. Two more questions. We're running out. We're running them down. If, if there's no more, then then there are no more. Yes, gentlemen in the lumberjack shirt. Can you? Would you mind passing it back, relay style? Don't drop it. We're a British relay team. Yeah. <laughs> I just wondering, do we know if Brother Cadell got his luggage at Poe Airport or not? <laughs> Brother Cadell, well, we know you're listening, Brother Cadell. Well, no, yeah. we, he, did, he did, right? He did, he did. He messaged us. We dropped him off at that salubrious hotel. Yeah, that, oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know whether we put that in the podcast or just lived it. Because mm, no, the it. lines got blurred a yeah. little bit. What we ah, actually just... The time, that, no, honestly, the time when he was on the phone, full gas, and we thought he was speaking to us. Oh, was so I weird. will never forget that. <laughs> 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 like it's, it's so obvious when someone's on the phone, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Anyway, I just thought he was talking. Because Cadell has a habit of you don't know whether he's thinking, speaking, or, or talking to himself, or communicating with you. It's just a, a continuum of words that are either expressed or not expressed. <laughs> he got he got back. Thank you very much. And um, but we're awaiting news from Sister Ellen, mm. aren't we? I don't yeah. think we've oh, yeah. We, yeah we yeah. haven't heard. Not, yeah. We haven't heard. Um, no, we haven't heard anything from Sister Ellen. Yeah, Luke's looking completely baffled. Yeah. Your podcasts are weird, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Sister Allen yeah. and Brother Cadell. But Brother Cadell, Brother Cadell yeah. sent, me, um, me. sent me a parcel. About a week after the Tour de France, I got a, 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 a parcel arrived with a second-hand copy of his autobiography. That is not <laughs> second-hand. <laughs> but apparently it's never been published Maybe in, in Europe. It. But um, it's quite battered, actually. But a really lovely message inside to Brother Ned from Brother Cadell. And I started reading it. And it's actually... His, you know, he talked about his childhood. Yeah. Genuinely, absolutely incredible, his, huh. his upbringing and his Good childhood. Good job. I didn't write a bloody book. He sent me an essentials case. He what? Sent me an essentials case. No. What's an essentials yeah. case? He hasn't so sent me anything. Those little, yes. <laughs> 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 no, I did. I got like a Belroy no, essentials case from the Cadell Classic. No. I won. Sorry, Pete. I don't want to mention You won his race. The case. Yeah. This is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Well, hopefully, See, he is this is the hierarchy of cycling. This is what happens. Like yeah. you get it because you've worn the yellow jersey and whatever else. Ned gets it because he's lead commentator. I'm just like a forgotten about little person. Aww. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And we, me and Cadell, spent the most time together. Where well, you two were commentating. Well, maybe that's it. Maybe he feels that he's that's, wondering. I haven't heard you. from him. Nothing. Yeah. Well, Cadell. Get in touch, Cadell. That's what we're saying. Yeah. Um, if um, you're listening, Cadell, I'm very heartbroken. <laughs> oh, he's listening. Um, Luke, uh, let's just bring it back to racing, just, just to round it off. Six kind of sprinty stages, one that's slightly lumpy, and then Kefili, which is obviously... I think I interviewed you at Kef the top of Kefili once for the television. Do you remember when you weren't racing? I think, yeah, I do vaguely remember I remember that, your agent yeah. dragging you up there, saying, get this lad on the telly and give him yeah. a bit of exposure. This yeah, is 2014, before you were, 15, something maybe. Something like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's, it's, it's a very strange tour of Britain. It is quite odd. Um, we obviously got eight days. The first six are real sprint-orientated. Um, and that's actually going to be a bit of a problem for us because one of our biggest uh, rivals is Wout van Aert and he's got Olive Coy, out-and-out -out sprinter, who is the fastest guy in the race, Yep, easily. But at the same time, Wout van Aert can pick up bonus seconds. Yes. And if he picks up a few throughout the week, it's a pretty hard guy to jump, isn't he? Yep. Um, so we've got these six sprint stages to deal with. 
the only thing we can hope for is some wind. Uh, that Something to work with to disrupt for the, the winder. Yeah, for the winder. Uh, that's the only thing that can really change the outcome of the stages. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and then you've got a really tough weekend. Like you said, the Saturday stage is, is solid and the Sunday stage finishes a stone's throw from my home in Cardiff. So especially looking forward to that stage. But um, yeah, it, it's definitely a, str a st stranger tour of Britain. It would have been nice to see a few intermediate stages in the first six days to break it up a bit, give a different type of rider an opportunity for success. But it is pretty much six full-on sprint days looks like that, followed by a really hard GC weekend. So... It will kind of be copy paste for six days, I, I imagine. And I can, you know, we've got Olive Coy, we've got Sam Bennett, Gaviria, and Lamparty, your man. I think are the, Lamparty, are, are, yeah. Are, yeah. The, are the four top guys. But I see Olive Coy at significantly higher level than the other three. So uh, I can see him winning two, three stages easily. All right, Luke, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very, thank you very much, Luke, Luke Rowe. And yeah, thanks, Luke. Good luck. Go well. And thank you to everyone at Bellstar for welcoming us here. Thanks, especially to you lot for coming. It's been absolutely lovely to actually meet people who, um, you know, listen, apparently. Um, so cheers. Good night. And uh, thank you very much. Good night. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.